All right, Gut Plus Science Live is coming back September 9th, 4 p.m. Eastern with Dan Weberg. We had incredible numbers on his show, Navigating Toxic Leadership was the topic. So we're going to bring Dan on. We're going to do Gut Plus Science Live, meaning you can submit your questions and comments and things you'd like feedback on. And Dan and I are going to have a conversation around that and really hope to help you guys build some new relationships and really you know hone in on this expert, Dan, and, and just all the knowledge and passion he has for navigating toxic leadership and fighting toxicity at work. We're really excited about it again, September 9th, 4 p.m. Eastern, and the link to register will be in the show notes. Episode 101, Nick Smarelli. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn, and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people-first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. Hey, it's Nikki back on Gut Plus Science, and I get to chat with a fellow podcaster today who is convicted to living a fulfilled, maximized life, and he leads a company that puts a strong emphasis on developing employees to the same mindset and commitment to growth. Nick Smorelli is with me today. He's the CEO of GedelNet, an Inc. 5000 company. Nick's core beliefs are grow or die, 100% responsibility, and make an impact. He's going to illustrate how he leads those values every day in his company and how training and development is the glue or the most important focus to elevating his people, his culture, and his company as a whole. Are you ready for an energy boost? Here's Nick. All right. So today we're going to inspire our listeners to eliminate excuses. Well, because when we do, we definitely live more fulfilling lives. Who wants to live in a life of excuses, right? So I'm Jack to pick up some new tips today. I've really, you know, I've been on that trajectory for myself to really live in my true self and authentic and, you know, say the yes to the right things. But every once in a while I mess up and I'm like, ah, oh, why did I do that? So I'm really excited to learn from someone who lives and eats and breathes this every day. You know, when leaders learn and embrace behaviors like zero excuses, the people that they lead or the people that we lead get influenced by that positive behavior. And so that's what we're going to do with our guest today, Nick Smorelli, who lives this life, who has a podcast, who talks about this all the time, leading a life, living a life of zero excuses for his people and his company, for his family. And I'm just really excited to get to it. So Nick, you're a dad. Uh, you're a multi-year Inc. 5000 winner. You are uh, running marathons regularly. There's all kinds of things that you're constantly doing. And people will say, Nick, how do you get it all in? And you're like, oh, that question just, it kind of drives me nuts, but you've got a really great answer for it. So Nick, how do you get it all in? Well, it's, I'm so excited to be on the show. I, I again, I've, I've been a big avid listener. I love, I love the topics that you guys get into. And, and certainly I, uh, I'm, I'm honored that you're excited to kind of hear my story and, and the story of, of those that have been participated in my show as well. So super excited there. I mean, as far as Man, I again, how do I kind of fit it all in? And yeah, I do get that question uh, quite a bit. And I think it really comes down to I've really kind of aligned with the values that kind of get me jazzed up and and where I want to go and really setting the course. I mean, again, it's so funny. We hear all the time in the business world of you've got to have a vision, you've got to have clarity and goals, you've got to have all these things. And in our personal life, I find that people don't have that level of clarity. And so the the most inspiring visionary leader fall short in saying kind of what is the vision for myself personally. And I think one of the things that I've done side by side with crafting Goodellnet strategy is understanding kind of where and what I want to be one, two, five years down the road, and then make choices along the way 
that align perfectly with that. So you, you mentioned some of the things that I think certainly are, resonate the most with others, but I, I'd say, you know, first and foremost, you know, my family obviously being most important, my obligation, uh, as a spouse, my, I have three kids, I have an eight, a five and a one-year-old. So certainly my life is, is very busy there. And then understanding that I am where I think it's seven or eight Inc. 5000s in a row. So running a, a very fast growing company and that's, impressive from the outside. Anybody who has run a fast growing company knows that that requires a lot of both mental and physical bandwidth. And then I try to challenge myself in, in terms of my hobbies and, and what makes me happy and really kind of just saying that the world and God and has given me so much that I feel an obligation to use those gifts as, as much as I possibly can. So 99% of the time it's fun. 1% of the time it kind of feels like a burden. But I, again, for me, I was given so much. And so I feel like this obligation to kind of achieve so much. And that's really where the zero excuses mentality came from of saying, you were given so much, you have so much, now you must use it and, and be impactful. So good. And, you know, that example that you just shared about, you know, tying back to your faith, that that's a value, right? And so you're operating from a value standpoint, my personal value, I feel responsible because of the faith that I followed to live out this kind of life. And so my personality, per Nikki's personality is very much like start with the end in mind, and then let's focus on the end in mind and work backwards. And so I heard you say, unless we're operating from a clear vision and our clear personal values, this is going to be tough to live a zero excuses because you got to know like what you're operating from to know what to say yes to, no to, all that. I'm going to start with, you know, you lead a lot of people and have your whole life. Many people don't operate in the clarity of knowing here's my vision for life. Here's my personal value statement and my, you know, here are the core values that, that I show up in. What's your like go-to homework for people to gain clarity on this, like an exercise or, or how do you help them get clear? Absolutely. And, and actually, one of the exercises that we do, um, we actually teach what we call it's it's we have a cohort every year, we call it Leadership Academy. Um, it's anywhere between 10 and 12 people within the company. Um, we bring in trainers from the outside and, and I actually lead a lot of it. It's one of my kind of favorite things that I do as a CEO, because it really kind of, again, as we've grown, it allows me to get really kind of deep with individuals I don't get a chance to work with. But one of the days we talk about and we actually talk about on goal setting day, is this concept of the rule of five. And the rule of five is a very simple, simple methodology where basically it's what five things do you do every day and without excuse. And that kind of really sets the stage for understanding what things are you able to and willing to give up. So I'll give some examples just to kind of provide some clarity if that doesn't necessarily make sense. So for me, little things like one of the things, the number one priority in that is I spend 15 minutes a day with my wife. And I know that sounds odd considering we share a space, especially now in COVID, we're literally always with each other. But the reality is, is 15 minutes, just her and I, and it's sometimes we're having this delightful conversation. Sometimes we just kind of stare at each other and just kind of just lay. But the idea being is we get 15 minutes together every single day. And again, that goes back to my, my zero excuse value of being a, a great spouse is that she is always prioritized. And it's not a lot of time, but it's enough. The next one is, again, for me, it's kind of moving forward and bigger goals as, as an organization. So for me, it's spending an hour, at least an hour doing kind of visionary CEO type work. Next one is some sort of athletic activity. Another one is reading a book, you know, so for me, it, it kind of comes back to my priorities, which is, you know, again, education, my family. Um, and then, so I think those type of things help people flesh out what truly is important. 
So Nick, lots that you just said in that. I have so many different avenues that I want to continue to explore here. So we're going to talk about habits. We're going to talk about training and development, and we're going to talk more about like uncovering some of the things that you do in your life, just to give us some examples. Let's start with the training and development thing, because I was so inspired when we had our prep call that you were sharing with me, you know, the, the amount of money you spend annually on marketing versus the amount of money you spend annually on training and development. So kind of just talk first about how you see training and development and the importance and uh, give us that storyline of like comparing it to the marketing expenditures that you guys put out. For us, training development, and so for my background, again, I was kind of like to provide context for why it's so important to me, is my father was an educator, my mother was an educator, and so I was kind of brought up with the spirit of, of education. Um, again, we talk a lot, the, the kind of concept of growth mindset has been pervasive, and then one of our core values, we only have three, is grow or die. So a little bit of context around why it's so important to me as a, as a business leader. But training and development, yeah. So what we do as an organization is we, we, we budget out $3,000 um, minimum. Um, many people actually exceed that volume minimum per person within the organization for training and development of essentially any kind. And we offer a fair degree of flexibility in terms of what that training and development expense looks like. And we do a lot of it internally. Um, I mentioned uh, Leadership Academy a little bit earlier in terms of kind of what we do to provide an internal academy around developing and building future leaders. 100% of our managers came in as individual contributors, technically speaking, myself included. So for us, that vision of building our own management team has been huge. I have not brought in a manager from the outside to lead people. And so we have taken that on as part of our responsibility to our, our team. And I do believe, again, I think at the end of the day, People love to learn, um, and the, certainly the people that we hire love to learn. And I think our, one of our strongest retention tools is this focus on training and development and becoming a better person. And, and it's not just skills around, can I fix a computer faster? It's a lot of soft skills. It's everything from how do I give better presentations to email management to um, how do I set goals and how do I create a better mindset or how do I handle stress better? through, again, tech more, more strategic technical training. So we really offer some flexibility there. And, and we do have a marketing person. Again, part of our growth this strategy is through a, a minor amount of marketing. But uh, again, if you look at the best practices for IT solutions companies and what percentage of their sales they should be spending on marketing, we're probably about a 50th of that. So we spent, again, I mentioned the $3,000 per person. That averages out to about $400,000 a year we spend on training and development. Um, we actually have a training development manager as well that handles what we call our IDPs, which is a annualized uh, individual development program process where we kind of say, hey, where do you want to go and how are we going to help you get there? And then the zero excuses mentality comes on top of that with saying, we are going to help you get there, but it's your responsibility to actually take action on that. But again, our marketing budget, I think we spent about $120,000 last year. <laughs> so uh, what is that? About a about a fourth or a third of the uh, the total training and development expense. And again, we uh, our Inc. Five thousand. I think we grew one hundred and fifty percent over the last uh, two years. So I think the strategy is working, and it, I think it truly shows that you can say you invest in people, but then when you put dollars towards things that are unrelated to people, it sends a different message to both your team and as well as to the marketplace. And so I think for us, we've really invested in that team, and it's really resonated with our client base. Talk a little bit more about how as an organization and the culture that you've built for your company, 
you really, as a platform, embrace as a whole, all your people embrace this culture of zero excuses. Can you talk about the habits and maybe some of the things that you do in, you know, Leadership Academy and in your training and development? What are the core foundational pieces that have allowed you to get to that place? No question. And I think we're still learning and still evolving that whole process. One of the first things that we start is we read a book called QBQ. It's, it's question behind the question. It's a very simple book. Um, if it takes you longer than an hour to read, then uh, then you're taking your time or you're distracted. I mean, it's a very easy book. And the foundation of that is essentially it's kind of how do you control your reaction to things and really creating this sense of, again, there's a psychological principle called this kind of internal locus of control and this idea of I own my own outcomes. And so a lot of times, again, as CEO, the good thing about my job is I get to choose generally the strategy we're heading, but my team doesn't. And so I want to make sure that they feel that they can control their reaction to certain things and feel empowered to, to get things done. One of the big things that I say as part of my, we do a company, state of the, state of the company every quarter, is if there is a problem that you are bringing back to a spouse or a partner and you are not creating a committee asking for a budget or getting people rallied up to solve it, that is your fault. It is not mine. And I think from a leadership capacity perspective, it is a breath of fresh air for me to know that I be being CEO and kind of it all stops with me is that I am not necessarily responsible for identification and fixing of every single problem in this company is it creates this mantra. And I repeat it end to end of saying, Again, if you're complaining about something, um, which again, employees tend to do, and you're not fixing it, that's your fault. That is not the company's fault for not fixing it. And I think that mentality spread across daily conversations. We do weekly one-on-ones. We have our team do what we call a 15-5, which is our top three goals for the week, has created this really self-accountability culture within the organization to say that you are responsible for the betterments and making this company great. And so I, I talk a lot about, hey, we're a really good company, but we're far from great. And it's our team's responsibility to get us to great. And I think just repeating to the point of nausea, these concepts, we've really kind of established individuals who are really bought into that as a mindset. Wow. Um, I'd love for you to touch on, and I feel like this is kind of a loaded question, kind of break it down how you how you want to share with us. So you've got the Leadership Academy, which is your platform where you're constantly taking people that have come in as individual contributors and put them on a trajectory to, to leadership, which is awesome. Um, then you have a lot of other training and development that is happening throughout the organization outside of the Leadership Academy. Share with us a couple of things. One, how involved are you as the CEO in that versus like bringing in outside resources or are people internally training? And then two, how do you encourage outside of the Leadership Academy participation as a whole, getting everybody bought into training and development, even if they're not on a leadership path? So I'll start with the the first one about, again, as, as, as we gotten bigger, we've had a little bit more of a budget to afford certain things. So when Leadership Academy started six years ago, uh, we were much smaller and budget was much tighter. So 90% of what we did was kind of crafted in-house. This last one, again, we bring in, so I'll kind of give some context to what we talk through. I go through personally, we do kind of a, a GoodellNet kind of strategic session with essentially kind of how do we break out our goals? And I do a, what I call a finance 101 where literally I pull up the balance sheet, where I pull up our income statement, talk about every line item and explain how to read the Net income statement so that we have people that understand how we operate and how we make money. So that is something I like to be a part of. Every session I'm a part of, I'm, it's a four hours, it's six, we do it six times and they do a capstone project at the end. 
I am there for every part of that four hours because the dialogue is so amazing for me to be a part of. But we do bring in outside speakers. We do bring in individuals that talk through, we use the PI tool talking about personality and understanding what personality is. We bring an individual to talk about mentoring and goal setting. We bring another individual who leads them through yellow belt training as part of Six Sigma. So we do bring in outside resources and knowing we can't do it all in-house, but we really try to flex internally of, of kind of what internal resources can be a part of this. So A, we save money, but B is it's a growth experience for me. I, I love teaching and I think I've gotten better and better uh, at teaching major concepts to people because it makes me a better leader. So frankly, it's I'm learning through Leadership Academy as well. So that answers, uh, hopefully, part A of that one. And remind me of RB. <laughs> yeah. So you've got your leadership development track, your leadership academy, and then you have a lot of other training and development outside of that. How do you get uh, individual contributors, all of the people that are outside the leadership academy bought into being part of the ongoing development and training? Like, is there a gamification that you have involved or, you know, how do you, how do you get people adopting the training and development that you're putting out outside of the leadership academy? Absolutely. And, and we actually, we've talked about kind of bringing in kind of that gamification element to things. Um, and fortunately, we really haven't had to. So I think it, it kind of comes back to kind of a few key concepts. At a very foundational level, it's making sure we celebrate the right things. And part of that is seeing, again, part of my state of the company, I literally talk about the people that got additional certifications or completed training. And so they get a little badge that goes onto their wall. So I, I guess technically that's gamification that kind of really reinforces, hey, look at your peers achieving so much, you should too. When somebody is promoted, we talk about what things they've invested in. Um, and a lot of this, again, we invest time and money into it, but a lot of this does have, have to happen on their own personal time. So they're giving that up in order to grow. And so for us, we really want to celebrate the fact that they were, they were again, in the zero excuses mentality, having to make a yes, no choice on where do they want to spend their time. So we really touch on, hey, this individual has been promoted. They've taken these classes. They've done this. They've really practiced you know, this skill set in order to move into this role. So really understanding kind of how those fed into it. And then we have career development plans. And again, we've got the individual ones. But then we've got, again, you, if, if there is a, I come in as an, an entry level service desk engineer, and I want to become a senior level, let's say account manager, as I can see my path from engineer to account manager, here's the training courses that I probably should take. Here's what I need to do in order to get there. And we really try to break that out so that it is very obvious to how to move up within the organization. And so for us, again, in the spirit of zero excuses, there's a lot of individuals who say, I want to make more money or I want to be moved up. And the question we ask is, what have you done to make that happen? And frankly, we've had, we've had individuals leave the court company because they said, well, that's incredibly frustrating. Why have I not gotten promoted? And you know, for us, the zero excuses is we have training and development manager. We have resources. If you choose not to take it, part of that accountability is on you. And so to your question is part of our culture is assimilated into that. And the people that don't want to utilize the resources don't get promoted. And when they don't get promoted, they get frustrated and they most likely leave. Um, and so I think we've done a good job of, again, we've had 98% retention, voluntary and involuntary in the last 18 months. So it's been strong, don't get me wrong, but you know, we, we have lost individuals for that reason. And I think we really do a good job of screening those that are comfortable with that mindset in terms of coming into the organization. 
So Nick, when we started the episode, I highlighted you as a maximizer, but I don't want to give the wrong message about taking on too much, saying yes to everything, figuring out how to fit it in and, you know, maximize your calendar. So let's talk about from the zero excuses, you know, mentality and what we're teaching people to do, you know, the power of saying no. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely. And I'm going to give, again, I, I'm going to take a different direction only because there's a recency effect of an article I read this morning, but I really feel like it really hit home, especially in kind of what we're going through with COVID, limited budgets, is the example of Southwest Airlines. And I feel like I am the Southwest Airlines of human beings, is what Southwest Airlines has figured out is what is the most important things. And they've tripled down on those. And then the rest of it, they said, meh, who cares? So for them, it's this customer service, it's this on time, and some of those kind of key things, and they've tripled down on making sure that they don't screw that up. But the reality is the in-flight experience is meh. It's fine, but they really stinge out there. And I feel like I love that as a mentality in terms of kind of even running your business is you've got limited resources. What is the most important thing to either your employees or your clients? But for me is is the recognition of what's important to me and everything else has to get fallen across is you can't be great at everything. So really understanding the order, again, not only having your strong values, but the order with which those values lie is understanding that, you know, for me, family comes first, Gedelnik comes next, my hobbies come third. And so understanding, okay, this is now entering, this is a decision point that I have to make. Do I say yes to this or do I say no to this? And for me, it's understanding the weighted average against those particular values. Does this help further the cause? And if it doesn't, Frankly, I say no to it. Um, I, and, and I've gotten really good at saying no. And I think a lot of people have kind of looked at, you know, having a yes culture. You're looking at, you know, you always say yes to opportunities. And while I believe firmly my life experiences have been dictated by me saying yes, it's, it's because I was thoughtful about which yeses I agree to and say, does this further a future vision? Quitting my job at Ingersoll Rand 10 years ago where I was making fantastic money to take a job at Cadelnet where literally I made $0 for the first two years, that was a yes. Um, and I'm so obviously happy that I did that because my vision for myself was I wanted to create an organization where I bet on me, where I wasn't beholden to others. So I knew that saying yes there made sense. But that doesn't necessarily mean you say yes to everything. And so for me, it's really truly understanding what that looks like. And then all of a sudden, the yes or no decisions, it's not like I'm producing a graph and doing the rest of things. It just becomes so natural because you know truly what is important to you. And, and that makes life so much more enjoyable. There's none of this fear of missing out. There's nothing else because you, you have such clarity on where you want to be and how you want to get there. So I love that example. And I love that you brought in um, Southwest Airlines and you know how they're doing what they're doing to really focus on. Here's the key things that we're going to focus on. And that's where we're going to pour our time and energy and the other things eh, you know, that, we'll, that they can kind of exist for right now. So once you do identify here are the main things for me as an individual or for our company that we are going to focus on saying yes to and being really good at, talk a little bit and you shared a couple before, but really hone in on, on the habits that you found, whether for you as an individual practice or for your company as a whole, the habits to really consistently re-emphasize those yeses and build on those yeses. Can you give us some, some examples? So I'm going to address your question kind of starting at the way that I look at it for the company. And I think it really parallels the way that I, I really run my life from a personal level. So again, we follow EOS, which is kind of part of the book Traction, um, which means that we live in a two-year goal broken down into two one-year goals, broken down into 90-day goals, and then broke it down into week-long goals. 
and what I require out of every single person that manages something. So whether it's managed people, technology, or processes in our company is we break down those week goals into three goals for the week. That's it. And so for us, that is our criteria for that yes, no decision. Is this going to benefit those getting those three goals done? And if there's a risk of not getting those three goals done, you say no to it. And so for us, it's really built a a culture of accountability, but B, clarity on what success looks like because there's so clear of what I have to achieve this week, knowing that those aggregated 52 weeks add up to our year goal and that 104 weeks adds up to our two-year goal. So mirror that again with the habits that I've produced for myself is I've got a big race coming up and I've got a big race in six months. What are the habits that I need to produce in order to, to, to hit that six-month target? Because if I just think about the race in six months, it's an impossibility. How am I going to run 100 miles straight in six months? I probably can't. But what I can do is I can run a 50-mile week this week and I can run a 52-mile week next week. And so it breaks down big goals into small goals. So I guess, again, if, if there's a key learning here is understand where you want to go and then try to create the smallest goals that you could possibly create so that A, you can be nimble, but B, you, you get that kind of immediate sense of success around how do I say yes and how do I say no? And so for me, it's again, the rule of five really being kind of the mantra there is how do you break down a year long goal into 365 little goals? And I think that is the methodology that I use. And it really parallels the way that I run the company as well as the way that I break up goals for myself. Nick, this time together today has been awesome. You unpack so many things about how to prioritize, the habits to have, what holds us back from fulfilling the things this, that we said we were going to do. It all goes back to, you know, it wasn't true to ourselves. Like it's not not in our core values. That's the, truly the motivator behind it. It's the, it's the why behind what we do. And just thank you for all of the, the tips and insights that you shared with us today. This has been an awesome episode and definitely want to encourage people to go check out your podcast, which we'll put a link in our show notes, which is all about every episode is about how to eliminate excuses. So this has been so great. We're going to take just a quick uh, break for our sponsor today to share their message. And we're going to come back to our lightning round where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about you. We'll be right back. As we transition into the new normal at work, it is imperative to start thinking about creating a safer work environment for employees. And for businesses that use time clocks, Ascentis is helping make the transition easier with its launch of CarePoint, a completely touchless time clock experience with features like temperature checks and other configurable symptom prompts, voice command capabilities, and Bluetooth beacon technology to track employees' locations and eliminate the need for cards to interact with time clocks. To learn about how our partner Ascentis helps with CarePoint so you can create a safer environment for your workforce, you can visit www.ascentis.com forward slash CarePoint. All right, guys, we're back on Gut Plus Science with Nick Morelli, and we're going to dive into our lightning round to just learn a little bit more. And I know this first question, it's got to be tough because I feel like in our couple of conversations, you've mentioned 10 different books. So if you had to pick one book to recommend to our leader listener audience right now, what would it be? Geez, that is, and I, I usually consider myself good at lightning rounds. Um, I would say I would pick Traction. I'd say if the one book that has fundamentally changed the way I run the business and I think about life, it's, it's Traction. How about a favorite vacation spot? To me, anywhere that's in the mountains, uh, that's the, the easiest answer, a bit broad, but anywhere that's in the mountains. I don't, need, I don't need fancy cities and I certainly don't need the beach, but for me, anywhere in the mountains, high up and, and secluded is you've got my perfect vacation spot. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? 
I would say first and foremost, it's most definitely playing with my kids and spending time with my family. But at a personal level, it's going for a, a long hike, a long run, a long bike ride. Um, just being out and being, you know, either with myself or spending time with friends or family on a trail in the woods in nature. Uh, you can't get much better than that. So refreshing for sure, especially in our in our times today where you're probably like me spending tons of time on the screen with work. It's like nothing's better than nature. Uh, and Nick, thank you so much for being on today. I'd love for you to share how can our listeners connect with you after the show and also do a little plug for your podcast. Absolutely. Well, again, if uh, our podcast is zero excuses, you can find it on anywhere. You can even listen to, to normal podcasts. comes out every two weeks. Nice and short like this one, 25 to 30 minutes. And then uh, I'd be happy to have you follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I do post a lot about what we do as an organization. I talk a little bit about the personal side of things. So I, I try to post a, once or twice a week in terms of kind of what special things we're doing and, and share with my community. All right. And here's my truth you can act on today from Nick Smorelli. As a leader, what habits do you have in place to help you live with zero excuses or live in a place of what is most important to you? And maybe thinking about uh, on the flip side, what habits are in place that are not allowing you to live in that place of zero excuses or what is most important? Number two, what training or development programs do you have in place for your people that is really making an impact on building people to take ownership and be committed to their growth? Really reflecting on what is that and how important are these uh, programs that you have in place to the core values and what you're trying to build in your company? And is it truly moving the needle? Just a really good time to reevaluate that. And number three, celebrating the little and the big. Nick talked about celebrating the right things. And now more than ever, it is so important for us to recognize and celebrate the things, the habits that we're doing that are all those things compound effect to make the big things happen and the changes in the movement happen. How are you celebrating right now the little and the big? We'll see you next time. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.